that, it would, everywhere I've been to have something fun like that and free hot dogs and free snow cones and free cotton candy, I mean, our family, we don't do that because there's a slew of us, but I mean, we would have, if our family would have gone to the fair yesterday and bought cotton candy and, and all that stuff, we'd have spent a hundred bucks pretty easy. And uh, for us to be able to do that for free, and uh, now this, what, what, I'm putting you on the spot. What did we spend yesterday? This show, this kind of shows you what these carnivals and fairs, how they're getting at you. What did we spend? Nine hundred bucks. Nine hundred bucks. Are clean. <laughs> yeah, if the inflatables are clean, which I think they are, <laughs> about nine hundred dollars. Because so, I mean, just that's amazing. I just next time you go to a carnival, you're like, you are ripping us off. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, that was that was great. Just to appreciate all your help and uh, just the compliments and, uh, and and really, that's that's what church should be. I mean, we are we are extending our compassion and we are illustrating that the most important things in life are free. I mean, and, and, and got an opportunity to share that with the blood of Jesus Christ uh, yesterday. And we're going to do that again this morning because we're at church. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 3, if you would. And uh, one of the things that I like about preaching through books, um, I've, I've been a, a churchy person my whole life. Um, and uh, I, I, this is only the third church I've ever belonged to. And uh, I, I say this all the time, but this is the best. <laughs> but uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that uh, I just felt <clears throat> growing up in church and everything, um, you know, you're, you're reading through Scripture, and, and oftentimes you come to something and you're like, oh, I wonder what that means. And uh, if, you, if you're not to that point where you're really interested in that or you're really hungry about the Word of God, oftentimes you'll just say, huh, I don't know, that makes sense, and you just keep going. <clears throat> or, man, I'm going to study that when I have more time. And, and you just keep going. Has anybody experienced that but me? But uh, what I've learned is that oftentimes in Sunday school class, uh, well, the Sunday school classes that I taught, we taught through books of the Bible, and uh, you, you, you get filled in on a lot of that stuff. Um, so every once in a while, we preach through books of the Bible, and I think that's important. I think we get kind of a relationship. Um, it draws us together with the Lord, and in fact, it gets us a little deeper understanding in what the Bible's talking about because we get that firsthand experience like when we put ourselves in Peter's position. Uh, you know, we've talked about how he was one of the disciples, and uh, I'm a little biased. He's my favorite because uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but in certain realms, we're, we're, we're labeled as the redneck church. Sorry, that's probably something to do with me. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but Peter was probably the redneck disciple. I mean, he was just rough, tough fisherman, just a, a manly man, and I mean, just a redneck, I guess you could call him. I don't know if they had rednecks back then. Uh, but just uh, an outdoorsman, and I mean, that was Peter. So that's, that's, that's kind of, just look at that. He was one of Jesus' first picks. Like, look at that guy. That's a guy. That's, that's a common man. You know, we, we live in such a generation where we put uh, people on pedestals and they become elitists, and we uh, uh, think that their opinion is more important than the common man. Uh, did anybody see what Pat Sajak, I, I, the Wheel of Fortune guy, Pat Sajak, uh, he got on that late night host. What was the late night guy that got, who, what's his name? Jimmy Kimball, he uh, retweeted, which I'm not all up on that, but he retweeted, he said, thank you, Jimmy Kimball, for your famous interpretation and your opinion, because we know that famous people's opinions are more important than regular people. 
as Pat Sajak. So I thought, well, there we go. <laughs> so we live in such a day where we hold these famous people and their opinions like, like it matters, like it really matters what they think. I'm more interested in knowing what the average man's opinion is on it. Am I right? So when we look and study at Peter, we're looking at Peter's take on things. He's an, you know, I think Jesus Christ, don't chastise me for this, but Jesus Christ wasn't, oh, this is blasphemy. He wasn't an average man. He was supernatural, but he had that average man mentality. I mean, he, in fact, he was probably below average in our realm of looking at things today. He didn't have a fancy car, fancy house, or anything. He's just an average guy. He lived an average life. He was tempted by sin just as we are. That makes him average, right? He had the same temptations just like we did. He had the same uh, experiences in life. He was hungry. He was tired. He was sad. He was mad. <laughs> he has all those average uh, um, that's what I mean by average. Now, he's supernatural. We understand that, that he was uh, the God incarnate. But uh, as far as experiences life, he just lived an average man's experience. So when we read Scripture and we see what Jesus went through, we're looking at an average guy. And we're looking at his disciples. We're looking at average guys. Well, they had the scribes and Pharisees. Those were the elitists. But when we look and we study uh, specifically this book of Peter, we're looking at <clears throat> knowledge and wisdom from an average guy. A redneck, I guess you could say. And uh, so I think that's why it's important. Is, is anybody in here famous or elitist or anything? Like, like super wealthy, just no, we're average people, aren't we? And, and you know, that's one of the things I, 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 when I describe our church, people just say, well, what's your church like? Because they're thinking about visit. I'm like, we're just regular people. We're just regular people. I mean, we're, we're, if you're visiting this morning, we're just regular people. Like, don't be too impressed and don't tell anybody that we're too regular. I mean, puff us up a little bit if somebody asks. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's why I think it's important to read through these books. We've, we've got a relationship with, with uh, the Apostle Peter now, and uh, we have kind of seen all the way up to chapter number three, I don't know how long we've been in this book, a couple months now, but we've seen the importance um, that Peter is teaching and preaching on when he's writing this letter. And uh, again, we've kind of broken it up, and we're going to begin in verse number 18 here. And, and today is going to be a little different. This, this, is, this, is, this is what I was getting at when I said preaching through books is interesting because today's message is going to be a message and then a lesson. Now, oftentimes when I say this is going to be more of a teaching time, we kind of do the teaching and then we have the message. Well, it just so happened when we've fallen on these verses today, we're going to have a message and then we're going to teach. And, and I thought about that this week. I'm like, man, this is kind of Sunday morning deep or Sunday night deep stuff. You know what? That's what we get when we're teaching through a book, when we're preaching through a book. I, I don't pick and choose, and we've not skipped a verse yet. And some of you's like, yeah, we noticed. <clears throat> but we, we've not skipped over a verse or a section yet. We're, we're preaching through this book of Peter. It, it's hard to cherry pick and say, ooh, that might be controversial, or ooh, I don't know how that'll be. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're just going to continue on through the book, and we're going to... Oh, there's the, there's the bathroom run. I hope they're supervised. <laughs> so uh, let's let's do this. Let's pray, and then we'll we'll preach, and then we'll teach for a little bit. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've uh, uh, brought us here this morning, Lord. Uh, Lord, we're still rejoicing over the day that we had yesterday. Uh, Lord, the good weather and the rain held off. Uh, Lord, just all the folks that had a good time. And, uh, Lord, we're just, uh, just so thankful for the opportunity that we had to serve, all the planning that went into it. <clears throat> Lord, just the, the small amount of money that was uh, put into it. 
Uh, but Lord, we're giving you all the glory. We know that you had that day planned out from the foundation of the earth. And uh, Lord, we're just praying that someone would be saved because of the events that took place yesterday, Lord, that they would visit. And uh, Lord, that they would hear the gospel. And I pray that that would be the case this morning, Lord. I pray that uh, if there's someone in here this morning that's not saved, uh, Lord, as we begin here uh, in 1 Peter chapter number 3, uh, Lord, that we would see the importance of how to be saved. And I pray that you would do that uh, this morning, Lord, and uh, uh, guide my lips and my tongue. And I pray that you do that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter number 3, right out of the gate, verse number 18, we get... One of the most important verses in the whole Bible that's often overlooked, and it says this, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Do you know how foundational that verse is? Like the importance of that verse. Like if you had to... I've often thought of this, and I, I know you know we're to compare Scripture with Scripture. We're not to interpret 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 Scripture, allow Scripture to interpret itself. But I've often thought, like, because I, I heard this example one time where when Russia opened up, there were some churches that shipped Bibles to Russia, and they were standing in the back of pickup trucks handing out Bibles. And, and this is a communist country that had been locked down for for years. And first time that they'd had a chance to get their hand on Bibles, and, and this, this missionary was telling the story that they were handing Bibles out of the back of the pickup truck. He said, we, weren't, we couldn't stop. We had to drive because they were a mob in the truck. And he said, and, and at first he said it was so enraging to me because what people were doing, they were taking these brand new Bibles that they just got. He said it took him for a loop at first because they were taking those Bibles and they were ripping pages out of them. And he's like, no, we spent so much effort and money and everything to get these in your hands and they're disrespecting them. But what they were doing was they couldn't get Bibles in their hands fast enough. So what they were doing were they were ripping pages out and handing pages to other people. So that got me thinking, like, man, the poor guy that got numbers, what's he going to get out of it? Like, you know, what, so that got me, what, if, if I could just get one verse into somebody's hands, gosh, what would it be? What would it be? You know, a lot of people, well, John 3.16, that's what they put up in the bathrooms. Well, yeah, that's a great one too, right? That's what old, uh, uh, that guy put on his, uh, 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 somebody help me, Tebow. And Tim Tebow put on his, his, uh, his face there. And then he put Ephesians 2.8. And I'm like, yeah, those are good. Yeah, Philippians. Yeah, like, well, here we go. I think, in fact, he even put this verse on his face one time, First Peter because this is one of those fundamental, foundational verses in the whole Scripture. Why? Because it tells us everything we need to know. It sums up how to get to heaven, why you're not going there, and how to get there in one verse. Look at how foundational that is. For Christ, we know who that is. That's Jesus Christ. That's the Son of God. That's the Messiah. That is our Savior. Also hath once suffered for sin. Ooh, look at how important that is. Once. I was having a conversation with a guy this just uh, Thursday, I think it was. We had lunch together. And we were talking about his old church and what they do every week. And I told him that I'd went to a, a, a funeral at the same denomination. And we were talking about um, what they do with mass. <clears throat> and what he what he's telling me, and I know a little bit about this, and you might too, but what he's telling me is that every week, 
Jesus is suffering for their sins every week because they put him to the cross afresh and anew every week. No, no, the Bible says that for Christ also once suffered for sin. Just once. Not every week. Not every day. Not just once. One time he suffered for our sins. When was that? On the cross. The just for the unjust. What we have here is the doctrine of sacrifice. And I think, especially in our modern age and day of Christianity, we, we, we as in preachers, I hope I exempt myself from this to some aspect, but we spend so much time in the New Testament, and we think that only the New Testament applies to us, and the Old Testament's that mean, cruel God, and He doesn't exist anymore, and we don't have to worry about all that. And, but I think we lose a lot of what sacrifice means. Now, when we, uh, we celebrate uh, Easter, the Passover here, we, we don't bring a lamb to be slaughtered, do we? <clears throat> no, that, that was for the nation of Israel, and that time has passed, and, and that doesn't apply to the church. But do you know what we miss by, do, by not doing that? I think we miss a lot. I think we miss a lot verbally. I think we, I, I mention this a lot because just our, our kids with their 4-H projects, but uh, I remember Avery's first year, that lamb she took to the fair. She had one lamb, that was her only project, took that one lamb to the fair, and that was hard for her to lead that little lamb up to that trailer because she knew what was going to happen to that lamb when it got on the trailer. She was, it was rough. And then Wyatt this year, his first time with that steer, I mean, that was his buddy. In fact, he's a little bit like, I don't think I want to do that anymore because that's rough stuff, taking your buddy leading it up to that trailer, and we didn't lie. We didn't say that it was going to cow paradise and it was going to uh, live out the rest of its life with all of its buddies. He's like, no, it's going in the freezer. <laughs> no sense in lying about it. That's what we do. It's going in the freezer. But, you know, we, we lose a little bit of that when we, we don't totally understand what sacrifice means. You know, we think of sacrifices. Well, we could have went and, and done this yesterday, but instead we went and sweated over hot dogs. That was sacrifice. No, that's not sacrifice. <clears throat> that's not what sacrifice is. Well, gosh, we, you know, do we get the minivan or do we get the Corvette? Well, we're going to sacrifice for the kids, I guess. No, that's not, that's not sacrifice. What, what is sacrifice? You guys, you'll understand someday. Don't, these two are so, they get these weird looks. Life is going to hit you and you're going to go, this is a sacrifice, minivan. <laughs> We're never getting a minivan. <clears throat> but what is sacrifice? Exactly that. The just for the unjust. That's what sacrifice is. The sac a sacrifice is the innocent dying for the guilty. The innocent dying in place of the guilty. That's what a sacrifice is. God instilled the sacrificial religion all the way in the beginning to take that perfect, blemishless, spotless lamb that had done nothing wrong and because you and me are sinful and wicked, sin has to be paid for. And we can't pay for it. So God said, here's what we're going to do. There's a sacrifice. A sacrifice has to be made. A payment has to be made. And because you can't do it, I'm going to provide that sacrifice with my own son, Jesus Christ. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's spotless. He's blemishless. He's never sinned. He wasn't born with sin like you were. You are wicked. Don't you just love going to church when the preacher calls you wicked? Hey, you're wicked. <clears throat> the Bible says there's no good in you. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we are all sinful and that we all have sinned and we all will continue to sin. 
Boy, didn't that make you feel good? But guess what? Jesus Christ never sinned. You were from your father. What's your father? Mine's back there. He's a nice guy, but he's wicked. He's sinful, just like you and me. So I inherited that sin nature from him. It didn't start with him. <clears throat> he inherited it from his dad, my grandpa. It didn't start with him. He inherited it from his dad, my great-grandpa. All the way back to guess who? Adam. We all get that sin nature from Adam. For by one man, sin entered the world in death because we've all sinned. We all get that sin from Adam. We're all related. We're all kin. Isn't that just special? <laughs> we, we're, it goes back to that saying, everybody has a crazy uncle. And if you don't, you're him. <laughs> so we're all related. We all get that sin nature from Adam because he is the father of us all. So we all, the reason that we sin is because of Adam. And the Bible says, ye are of your father who? The devil. Because that's where that sin came from. <clears throat> so look at this. But Jesus is different. That's us. That's sinful. That's us, the unjust. We, we are unjustified. Our sin is not justified. Our actions are not justified. We are wicked. We are depraved. We're sinful. And if you don't think you are, <clears throat> think about what you would do when no, if, if no one was around and no one would know what you were doing. Think about that. How, how would you cheat, connive, and steal? How would you get one over if you were in a tough situation? You put someone under pressure, and you'll see what they'll do in the darkest of times. What was I doing, officer? <laughs> what, I, me? I don't think I was speeding. I, I don't, I really, oh, you have proof. Well, you see, my odometer must be off a little bit. I mean, that's just piscally little white sins, right? We, we, that's just piddly stuff. We don't even think about that. But see, just weaseling your way out of a ticket. What is that? sinful. If we can get by with it. And the amazing thing is just watch kids for a little bit. <clears throat> we, we had an incident among our family yesterday, and one of our kids was arguing about it. And I said, really? I pulled my phone out, and I said, let me show you a video. And they said, oh, I did. Oh, I feel so bad. Now, whether they, whether they realize they did, I'm saying they because I don't want you to think which one it is, but it was one of our wicked kids. <clears throat> and, 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 and that's us. That, that's our sin nature. Sometimes, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they knew they were doing it or not, but sometimes our sin nature is out there and we don't even realize what we're doing. I, I really don't think they knew what... Wow, I did. I, I don't remember it happening like that. I, I told you. I called you out on it there. Oh, I feel bad now. Well, you got caught. <laughs> you were exposed. You see, there it is for everybody. How many times have we done something we don't even realize? It? It's our sin nature showing through, and, and we're like, whoa. I, 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 you look back, and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. I, I didn't even realize that I was, what is that? That's our sin nature. It, it comes out. We can't hide it all the time might put on a good front every once in a while, but whoo, I, I tell people that when they, I, I, it's always good to humble yourself. You know what? I had somebody one time and they said, gosh, our dog likes you. He doesn't like anybody. I said, I guess I can fool your dog. <laughs> that, that's what it is most of the time. We, we try to hide our sin. We try, to hide, we try not to let that sin nature be exposed. But guess what? It's because we're unjust. That's because we're wicked. We're sinful. But do, do you know what the just is? That's Jesus Christ. 
He never had to worry about trying to buffalo somebody or concealing or hiding or making an excuse for his sin. Why? Because he never had that sin. Because he didn't come from Adam. He came from God. That's the difference. That's why I can't sacrifice myself to pay for one sin in this room, much less all the sins in this room, because I am not just. I'm wicked. I'm sinful. I'm not a good enough sacrifice. So God knew from the beginning, the foundation of the earth, that man would sin and that man would not be able to write the check for that sin. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Why? <clears throat> that he might bring us to God. Boom, there it is. That's the only way you can get to God. That is the only way that you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's it. We, I've heard it told like this, that we are separated from God. No, we've never been with God. None of our, none of our lives. We have not been with God. It would have said might bring us back again to God. No, no, it said that, that Jesus Christ might bring us to God. That when we accept that sacrifice, when we receive that sacrifice and we acknowledge that there's nothing that we can do to pay for our sins, when we acknowledge and we realize that, hey, Jesus Christ is the only way, and when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father by what? But by Him. Here it is. That Jesus might bring us to God. There it is. Well, how? How can He bring us to God? Well, maybe because He's a good guy. Hey, come on, why don't you come with me? No, no, no. He had to die in my place. He had to die in my place. Being put to death in the flesh, that God actually walked on this earth. I, I often think about this. Picture the God of the universe and how holy and righteous and mighty he is to take himself out of that perfect environment and put himself on the earth. You know, I often, I often wonder what that was like. Like, just imagine that. <clears throat> Think about that, you know, that baby Jesus, fresh at Christmas, right? In that manger. I often wonder if he cried. Is that something weird to think about? I wonder if that baby Jesus cried. I wonder if that baby Jesus went like this. Whew. What is that? Born in a, born in a stable, right? Just to smell the smells. In a town, if you're from a town, don't be offended. <laughs> to smell those smells of a town. Much less the smells of a country. I, I'm always reminded of this because I, I remember when we, uh, when, when you're, you see kids that are grown up in town, they get out in the country, they're like, oh, what's that smell? I took our kids to Columbus one day. We got out of the van and Wyatt, I forget how old he was, he said, what's that stink? <laughs> I said, that's town, son. <laughs> uh, so Jesus was getting all these country smells and town smells. I, I wonder if that was his first thought as a baby. What's that smell? And then just dirt and grime and yuck and filth. You ever think about that? He didn't, he didn't know what that was. He, did, he hadn't experienced that because... He was dropped into this sin-cursed, wicked, filthy, vile world. 
and all the experiences that God had that he, that he had from this world. And most of those experiences is because of sinful man that God experienced. And he was willing to do that. He was willing to live that life of not luxury. And then he was willing to die the most gruesome death that's ever been experienced. Why? For me. For me. And for you, but I'm his favorite. Because he loved me that much that he was willing to die on the cross for me. Can you just like get a hold of that? If you ever feel not important, that'll make you feel like you're God's favorite. That, that's, that's Christianity. That he being put to death in the flesh. Why? So that he could bring me to God because he is just and I'm unjust. And he once suffered for my sins. Man, thank you, Jesus. Is, is that not what we have? And then we look outside these walls to people that have no clue. They're going about their day. They've got their plans. They've got, hopefully they're all going to protest NFL today. But, I mean, they're doing all these things. And they're laying their head on their pillow tonight. And they're thinking there must be something more. There has to be something more. There, has, there must be something to this. You know, we have it. We know what that is. We can have life everlasting because of Jesus Christ. And just like I said yesterday, shame on modern Christianity, shame on cults, shame on denominations, shame on everybody for complicating that more than what it is. Shame on them. Because it's just that simple. There's nothing that I can do. It's everything that he's done. It's not a magical prayer. We have, we have invitations from time to time. We have altar calls from time to time. And sometimes we get in our little Baptist churches and we think, oh, if we don't do that, everybody's going to hell. If we don't have an altar call, then nobody got saved. If we don't do that, if we don't make a lot of pop and smoke and everything out of it, and I'm having this conversation with this guy this week about tradition, and he, says, he said, you know the reason I love our church is because all that tradition is gone. He said, it's so normal. It's so, it's so natural. It's so... It's so selfless. It's, it's not show. It's not pomp and smoke. It's just the Bible at its finest. It's just pure Christianity undefiled, I hope and pray. Because if you're not saved this morning, and here's what saved means. Being unsaved means that you might think, oh, I've not been baptized yet. I need to get baptized. Nope. You might think, oh, I'm such a bad person. I can never be good enough to go to heaven. You're right. You're not saved. Oh, I don't belong to a church. I'm not saved. That's, that's, not, that's nothing to do with it. If those thoughts cross your mind, you don't realize what salvation is. Salvation is simply the just for the unjust, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. How do we receive that? It's no mystery. How many of you have ever had a birthday party and received a gift? Yeah, we all have. Christmas, whatever it is. What do you do to get that? Thank you. That's it. If you say, ah, just put that over there, I'll get to it. You haven't received that gift. Thank you. What we're talking about is a gift from God, salvation. And it's through faith. And it's through grace. And it's that simple. It's just asking and receiving. That's what salvation is. 
Uh, you know, that's been twisted to think that's what prayer is sometimes. It's just, hey, I'll ask and I'll receive. No, that's salvation is asking and receiving. It's saying, I don't like this, this flesh. I don't like this old man that's living inside. I want this new man, Jesus Christ, inside. I'm going to turn away from my sin and receive this gift. That's salvation. It's that simple. It's asking and receiving. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. Just like I said yesterday. It's that simple. Someone can do it. Evan did it on his way to work. And I said, Evan, you can't do that on your way to work. It doesn't work that way. You've you got to have witnesses. You've got to have signatures. You, gotta have, you can't just do it on your way to work. Nobody does that. That's how Evan got saved on his way to work. Listening to the radio, turned it off, said, Lord, would you save me? Pfft. Did it work, Evan? He didn't have an invitation. There was no piano playing. There was no, no, that, that, that's how you get saved. It's that simple. But hey, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Why? Because it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. That's how we're saved. By which, if you believe, you're saved. It's that simple. It's nothing that we've done. It's everything that he's done. Isn't that awesome? That was our message. <clears throat> if you're not saved, you don't have to wait till an invitation. You don't have to do anything. You can do it right at your seat right now. We won't even bug you. Just bow your head, close your eyes, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Will you save me? And that's it. That was our message. Is that the short, sweet? Gosh, we should do that every week. <clears throat> now we're going to get into the teaching portion. I told you it's going to be different. It's kind of backwards. But here's our teaching portion. Because we're going to go to the, look, but quickened by the Spirit. So we're going, to, we're going to focus on this for just a little bit. Let's look at verse number 19, Cody, if you would. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. What in the world does that mean? Like, okay, so I guess Jesus went to like LCI and talked to those guys in the slammer, right? Is that how that works? Hmm. Now, this is where I said it's Sunday night stuff. I want you to think about this. And that by the Spirit, continuation from 18, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, this is interesting. We are made up of a three-part being. Did you know that? In the likeness and the image of God created he him. Talking about man. We have a flesh. Some of our flesh is nicer and more complete than others. <laughs> we have a soul and we have a spirit. That's our three-part being. Two of those things we can't see, but we know they're there. That is what distinguishes us from trees. We talked about the wicked, cruel, inhumane practice in Sunday school this morning of girdling trees. It's the most wicked thing you could ever do. It's where you slowly kill a tree. <laughs> but trees don't have souls. Trees don't have spirits. They're different. That's what distinguishes us from cats and dogs is our soul and our spirit. We have something different because God gave that to us. But do you know there are also things in this world called spirits? I'm not going to get all freaky scary on you, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and dark places, and there is a battle going on that most people is not aware of. We see it. We see it on our news. We witness it. And you're like, no. Is this a Baptist church or is this one of them Pentecostal Baptist things? Because this is not really a Baptist church. They don't talk about that stuff in Baptist churches, right? I never heard about this stuff in any Baptist church I was ever at. But there are battles that are going on taking place that we can't literally see, but we see the results of. 
And people see these things happening and they're like, what is going on? You know what? We just witnessed this last Sunday night. I wake up Sunday, uh, Monday morning and I see on the news the numbers were just kept coming in. 20 killed and 200 injured and that number just kept going up through the day. And what would cause a guy to do something like this? What would cause, what was his issue? What was his problem? Hey, we're looking at a spiritual battle. That is not from the Spirit of God. That, that is not God's plan. That is not what happens. That, and that's what shakes people up because we see this thing happening. Let's do this. Let's look at Genesis chapter number 6. And, and we're going to look. Uh, quick background. The first uh, few chapters of Genesis we're studying in Sunday school is the creation where God created everything. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. It was very good. And that's no sin, no death, no sickness, no 90-degree weather like we had yesterday. There was none of that stuff. It was peachy king. This was perfect earth. It was great. Okay, stop right there. It'll be that way someday, but not yet. And then sin entered the earth and contaminated this entire earth, and it began with Adam's family. I think I just figured out where they got the name of that show, The Adam's Family. <clears throat> I wonder if that's really where they got that. <clears throat> Rabbit, it won't come back around, don't worry. <clears throat> well, I guess it kind of could, but anyway, we won't try to make it come back around. <clears throat> so this earth was perfect until sin entered in, and we get to an interesting topic here in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 1, and, and this is a topic that probably... If you went to 150 churches, probably not any of them would teach or talk about this subject. And it begins like this in chapter 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. So here we have the earth multiplying. We have uh, doing exactly what God told them to do. He said, have lots of babies. That, that's a commandment from God. Did you know that? And it still is today. And, and your preacher takes that literal, I guess. People look at us weird. But have lots of babies. Have lots of kids. <clears throat> because that's, that's how we're going to make this thing work. So men began to mul multiply across the face of the earth. And daughters, now, now what's a daughter? Let, let's, let's get real theological with this. Let's break this down. Let's get to the meat and bones. And let's, what are daughters? Everybody's afraid to say. It's girls. It's women. It's girls. Yeah, precious. Yeah, let's not get too deep. <laughs> they are. They are. They are precious. More precious than rubies. Uh, so we see that girls, daughters, women. I've got three daughters, and they're all three girls. My wife's a daughter. She's a, she's a girl. She's, I got a woman wife. Uh, so we, it's real hard, real theological, right? Real hard to understand. Verse number seven, that the sons of God saw, or did I say so? Verse number two. Sorry, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. You know how controversial this is because people's like, oh, how are we going to make this not sound weird? We don't want this Bible to sound weird. Uh, you can't make the Bible not sound supernatural. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Do you, do you know we believe in talking snakes, talking donkeys? Do you realize that's, that's what we teach out of the Bible? And, and why is that weird? Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. That, that's, that's how this works. So we see that men had daughters, but the sons of God took notice. Who is that? You find that out from Job, right, in the first few chapters. 
that the sons of God are angels in heaven. So angels noticed men's daughters and said, nice, I think I'll marry her. That's what we have here, verse number two. Verse number three, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he, sh he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. What? And after that, the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them. And some became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now, what? That sounds like Mickey Mouse. He battled a giant, I think. And yeah, there was a guy in the Bible, I forget his name. He was a shepherd or something, and he battled a giant. And yeah, there was a king, and he battled some giants. There's a few giants in the Bible. Maybe Joshua dealt with some giants and stuff, but okay, there's, okay, what are we saying? Giants are real. That's what we're saying. How did giants become about? Sons of God, angels, marrying, procreating with daughters of men. It's that simple. It says that black and that's a literalistic Bible doctrine. And there were giants in those days. And do you, can you imagine this? A giant. A giant. I'm not talking about like Shaquille O'Neal giant. I'm talking about a giant giant. Totally noticeable, out of the realm giant. What do you think man would do with that giant? They would worship them. They would worship them. <clears throat> they would tell stories about them. Everyone would know who they are. I said Shaquille O'Neal. I guarantee you there's not one person in here that said, Shaquille, what? Probably even my dad that's never watched an NBA basketball game in his entire life knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. What is that? That's a, man, that's a man of renown. He's well known. That's what we're talking about here. So was that pleasing to God? Must not have been because why? He wiped out the entire population of the earth. <clears throat> Look at this. Verse number five. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth that every imagination and thought of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented God that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, and it repented me that I had made him. I don't think I gave you the rest of these, did I, Cody? I'm sorry. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. What does generations mean? Generations. It means what you come from. I am the, I don't know how, I'm the second generation from Kentucky. <laughs> My dad's the first generation from Kentucky and his dad was from Kentucky, made in Kentucky. I'm the second generation from Kentucky. What is, what is that? Has anybody ever studied a, a really cool class in school, uh, in your biology class, a subject called uh, uh, genetics. Do you ever wonder where you get that base root for genetics? Genome, Genesis. Here's the genesis of Adam. Here's what Adam has come from. And here's or, uh, Noah, I'm sorry. Here's what Noah comes from. Here, Noah was perfect in his generation. Kind of all, kind of Bible kind of lighting up and making sense now, isn't it? Kind of some of this, G, this uh, Greek mythology that they, they teach you in college that's not necessarily mythology some of these giants that man worshipped. You, you ever kind of wonder why there's so many different accounts of deities through all different religions around the world and they normally uh, revolve around something that's not normal? Do you know the creator, one of the creator gods in the Hindu religion is named Brahma? 
and it was a man crossed with a beast. Think about that. Some of the Greek mythologies like Pan that was a man crossed with a goat. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Is that from seed after their kind? No, God said, here's the rules. This is how you do it, after their kind. Not all this weird stuff. You ever kind of notice like how we're being conditioned nowadays to, to look at cartoons and videos and movies and we see a lot of this stuff coming back around? Do you ever read Revelation and go, well, that is way too unbelievable. You can't take Revelation literal because there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Do you know what our scientists are doing nowadays? What, what is this all in relation to? They're inspired by something and it's not God. So let me speed you up. Let's look at this. Jude chapter number uh, verse 1. Jude chapter number 1. You almost got me, didn't you? <clears throat> Jude chapter number 1, verse number 6. Oh, man, isn't that crazy that it's that number even? We just looked at Genesis chapter number 6, and we're going to go to, to Jude verse number 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate. Where was the, what's, what's estate? How many of you own estate? It's where you live. That's your estate. You pay estate taxes. You pay the assayer to come assay your state and value your state. Your estate's where you live. So the angels which kept not their first estate. Which, what was their first estate? Heaven. Oh, let's keep going. But left their own habitation. That's heaven. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. You, I tell you what, we don't have to read comic books to be, have our mind blown, do we? <laughs> the Bible will do it all its own. So what we have here, all, going all the way back to 1 Peter, let's kind of wrap this up or we're never going to get out of here. This, is, this was probably like a three-night thing on Sunday night. This is, is this weird or what on Sunday morning, isn't it? It's in 1 Peter. Let's, let's hammer at it. So what we have here is Jesus, by his spirit, went to prison. What do they, what do, they do in prison? Do they just like, all right, you guys will be back here at 5 o'clock, okay? That's not what you do at prison. In prison, you are locked up. You, you get three meals a day. You get cable TV. You get exercise equipment. You get mail. You get internet. I mean, that is prison. That's prison. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> That's modern prison. <clears throat> but what is prison? When we think of prison, we think dungeons. We think locks, locking them to the wall. We, that's prison in my book. Am I right? I think it might still do that down south. But that's prison. We think of darkness. We think of chains. We think locked up. Jesus went and preached to those spirits in prison. We think of preaching as what? That's what I, the first part of this message, I preached. I proclaimed something that was going to happen. That's what preaching is. Preaching is proclamation. I proclaim that if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. But if you get saved, you can go to heaven. That's preaching. That is, that is with authority, stating the facts. It's not my opinion. It's preaching. There's no doubt about it. There's proof. There's evidence. Sometimes we think of preaching as trying to sway someone's mind and change their mind. That's not necessarily preaching. That's, that's what happens during preaching. But preaching is proclaiming, prophesying what is going to happen to you in the future. So what did Jesus preach to these spirits in prison? These angels that left their first estate because they were 
out of God's will, and they were so vile, so wicked, and the worst of the worst. See, we kind of think that God has these cherubims, and then there's the devil, and then there's like all angels, and they're all the same. That's kind of what we, you know, they've got little wings, they wear diapers, and they play harps, and all that nonsense. No, that's, that's, that's the farthest from the truth. The Bible says that the angels are innumerable. We can't fathom that. They're innumerable. You couldn't go one, two, you don't have enough time. So they're innumerable. And the Bible says that a third of them will be drawn with Satan's tail. That means a third of an innumerable army will fall. But prior to the flood, some of those angels chose to leave heaven, dwell on earth, and foul up God's plans. And they were so vile and wicked that God chose to lock them up in the center of the earth in prison. So Jesus dies on the cross. He, he descended into the, into the heart of the earth. While he was there, we'll, we'll get to this part. I don't want to spoil it, but he led captivity captive, but we're not talking about that. But while he was there, he went and proclaimed to those spirits. And I think what he said was this. There's no hope for you, but God is going to use you someday for his will, and then it's over. That's, that's a preaching message, isn't it? It's not real warm and fluffy. It's not real, like, uplifting and promising and, by golly, God loves you, and he's going to make you rich. It's not that kind of preaching message. <clears throat> he's telling them what's going to happen. What do we read about in Revelation? I, I didn't even pull these verses up because I knew we wouldn't have time. We read of a pit, a bottomless pit with smoke and wing-like creatures with scorpion's tail coming out of that pit and stinging men, and men being in such torment during the tribulation that they wish they could die and they couldn't. What are we talking about? We're talking about the stuff that we don't like to think about. We're talking about these spirits in prison. We're talking about these angels that left their first estate and were so vile and wicked and mean that God locked them up until his... Look what it says here in Jude. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. God has a purpose. He has a plan for him. Isn't that crazy stuff? Isn't that crazy stuff? So while Jesus was in the center of the heart of the earth for three days and three, night, three nights, he had a lot going on, didn't he? He went and proclaimed to these spirits that were locked up over here what was going to happen to them. And then, this is the crazy thing, he went to the Old Testament saints like Adam, Noah, Enoch, David, all those that believed that, that God would send a sacrifice, the just for the unjust. But guess what? They couldn't go to heaven because there's only one way to heaven and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. How can you go to heaven if the shed blood of Jesus Christ hasn't happened yet? You can't. You don't. The sacrifice was promised. They believed in that sacrifice, but until the blood was applied to the mercy seat, no one could go to heaven. So they went to a place called paradise. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he looked at the thief and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise? What in the world? People have twisted that and messed that up so much. What do you mean? So everybody says that the thief, oh, he must have went to heaven. No, he couldn't went to heaven because the blood hadn't been applied to the mercy seat. He went to paradise, Abraham's bosom that we read about in Luke chapter number 16. He went to the heart of the earth. And hey, it wasn't hell. It wasn't fire. It wasn't torment. It wasn't no, because the poor man was comforted in paradise. Now, the rich man was in torments. 
I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham wasn't. Adam wasn't. Noah wasn't because they believed that God would send a sacrifice. So Jesus went to paradise and he said, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been waiting on. Look at the scars in my hand. Look at the prophecy that was fulfilled. Come with me. And he led captivity captive. Now here we are. That was on this side of the cross. He told those spirits, there's no hope. God has a plan for you. Then you'll be destroyed. He tells the Old Testament saints, I'm the Messiah. I'm Jesus Christ. If you'll believe in me, you can come with me. I don't know this for a fact, and there's no Bible to back it up, but this is going to be one of those, uh, I've got like, I think my list is up to 10,585 questions I have when I get to heaven. What about this? What about, I'm going to be that guy walking around. Hey, what about this? Oh, I was thinking about this. I don't know if it's going to work out. Maybe we won't care. I don't know. <clears throat> but one of my questions is going to be, were there any of those left in paradise, and what happened to them? Oh, that'll make you think. That'll, that'll really make you think, wouldn't it? I don't know. I hope not. But if there were any in unbelief, I know what happens to unbelief. It doesn't go to heaven. So if there were any unbelief in paradise, then it stayed behind. And the Bible says that hell hath enlarged her mouth and took paradise over. We got like three deep theological studies here in one. This, 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 this is great stuff right here. <clears throat> so Jesus led captivity captive. What does that mean? He took them, on, he took them to heaven. Because that the just had died for the unjust. Suffering once and being put to death in the flesh. And that's the only way to heaven. It was no different for these Old Testament saints. You know, I hear people saying, well, the Old Testament saints, they had to obey the law to get to heaven. No, you can't find that in the Bible anywhere. Only by Jesus Christ. That's how you get to heaven. It's no different from Enoch. It's no different from Noah. It's no different from any of those guys. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The same way that you and I get there. And that's it. What is all these smoke and bottomless pit and all this stuff? What, what, that's, is that, how many of you will say, that's scary? I, that's scary stuff. They, they can't come up with movies that are any scarier than that. They can't even comprehend that. Do, do you know what that's for? That's for judgment on this world. That is in a time to come in the future, a time we call the tribulation. And it's for Israel. The tribulation is for Israel. It's called a time of Jacob's trouble, but guess what? The rest of the world will experience that. And if they worship the Antichrist, these beasts out of this pit will be unleashed onto them. Reserved in everlasting chains into darkness until the judgment of the great day. That's what's waiting for this earth. If they don't die before the coming of Jesus Christ, and if they make it through into the tribulation, that's what they have to look forward to. And do you know what I think? I don't think the world will be in total shock and disbelief when they see this happening. If, if our grandparents could see the technology that exists on the earth today and probably just a, just a little distance of things to come of what, we're, what maybe we'll get to see, we're being conditioned. You, you know, these, these spiritual forces of mass shooting, uh, it shakes us up for a couple days, doesn't it? But really, it's nothing new. It happened every two months under the last administration. Am I right? 
When, when we see these wicked acts take place, it doesn't shock us quite as much as it used to, does it? It's almost just commonplace anymore. That's just the, that's just the world we live in. It's just wicked. That's, yep, this religion is the whole cause. That, that would make someone jump in an airplane and smash into buildings. That would make someone drive through a, a, a crowded a parade with a truck and kill 75 people. That would make a man in China kill uh, 85 people with a knife. That happened this week. Oh. Did you notice that it all didn't have to do with guns? <clears throat> what is it? It's spiritual wickedness in dark places that we're dealing with today. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning that's not saved, uh, Lord, that they listen tight to the first part of the message, Lord, that uh, only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. And, and Lord, for the rest of us, I know this was a probably never heard uh, message or lesson today, uh, but Lord, I pray that you'll use it to show us truths from Scripture, <clears throat> Lord, how that... There are things in this world that we don't understand. But Lord, and there are maybe passages in the Bible that we don't understand, but it all fits like hand and glove. Uh, Lord, when we have a, a large understanding of Scripture in general, we, we, we begin to see how these things will take shape and form. And, and Lord, I just want to say, just all praise goes to you this morning. Lord, it's not our will that's done, it's yours. And Lord, we, uh, we pray for your will to be accomplished this morning. Lord, we know that you're not willing that any would perish that would go to, uh, to, go to hell or that would, any would be uh, to go through this tribulation. Lord, we know that your will is for all mankind to be saved, but Lord, we know that that won't happen. And Lord, that judgment faces them. Lord, the, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And Lord, I pray that everyone in this building this morning is saved. Lord, I pray that we're all uh, in the family of God. And, and But Lord, I guarantee that each and every one of us this morning knows someone that's not saved. And I pray that we would take this, uh, uh, this lesson and this message this morning, that we would take it to heart and that we would be able to uh, uh, preach and proclaim to our family and loved ones this week the importance of what it, why it means to be saved and why today is the day of salvation. And Lord, I thank you again for the day that we had yesterday, Lord, for the weather to hold out. We thank you for... Uh, the folks that showed up, Lord, we thank you for the visitors that we have this morning. And Lord, I pray that uh, uh, we'll have visitors in the future from yesterday. And uh, Lord, that you would just see your gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ proclaimed in this town. And Lord, that this church would be able to carry it. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for that. And I pray that you'd watch over us today as we go out of here. Uh, Lord, that you would bring us back for services tonight. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.